Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another fine episode of Half Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider. He is Kip Fisher, and we are here to entertain, perhaps humiliate, and most certainly laugh at each other as uh, we spend the next couple hours together. And I am ready for it. How about you, my friend? I'm ready, man. I'm ready to talk some cigars, smoke some cigars, talk a little more cigars. Hey, I was going to say, you can talk cigars, I will smoke them. Well, that uh, that other voice that I happen to be talking to is none other than Kip Fisher, the brains behind this little operation, and uh, I, the, the noisy one, <laughs> am Craig Schneider, and uh, together we make up Half Ash, this being our 42nd episode of said podcast, radio show, whatever you want to call it. It is November 22nd, 2013, in the wonderful country of U.S. of A. A bit of a somber anniversary in this nation, but uh, hopefully we can we can uh, make everybody's night a little bit enjoyable and uh, leave you with some interesting uh, information that we're about to share tonight. Yeah, there were actually uh, more than one famous deaths on this date, same year. You know what is perhaps the... Well, not perhaps. What is the most recent uh, interesting occurrence on this date? What's that? The butt fumble. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Two years ago is was the famous Mark Sanchez butt fumble. Do you have any okay. idea what I'm talking about? I do not. I know who Mark Sanchez is, and that's about as far as my knowledge goes. If you want to see the most hilarious, absolute, perfect <laughs> video of what it means to be Mark Sanchez and the New York Jets in the last five years, look up Mark Sanchez butt fumble. And I guarantee it is totally family-friendly, safe for work, all that. You will see the hilarity that is a two-second GIF or video that will make you... Do whatever you're going to do with a smile on your face because you just can't help but watch that and laugh. It is Mark It is Mark Sanchez running into the backside of one of his linemen just and nobody is in his way except for this lineman. He runs into the back of the lineman, falls over like he got clotheslined and fumbles the ball and uh I believe it was the Patriots they were playing returned it for a touchdown. It's just epically Beautiful. Everything about the play is hilarious. That gives me a reason almost to follow professional football. Oh man, it is it is the only reason to follow the New York Jets. Just for that. Follow them because maybe maybe something like that might happen again. <laughs> Anyways, that uh it's a bit of a diversion, but uh we can get down to business here. What do you say? Sure. Well, what the heck what are, are we, we smoking? Here? We are smoking the new, and when I say new, we uh, actually planned this out from the since the show, but uh, these are actually shipping now. Uh, I saw them on the, on the shelf at uh, my local retailer. So this is the Casa Fernandez uh, Miami Reserva Maduro, and it's kind of an offshoot from their existing Miami line, uh, just with a change-up in the wrapper. Just... I, I am a huge fan, almost a closet fan, but it's not closet fan because I broadcast this everywhere. I, I love Casa Fernandez cigars. 
uh, I have since I was introduced to them uh, a couple years ago through the Arsenio line that they make. They have a Corojo and a Maduro in that line as well. Um, just fantastic cigars, and I've said it multiple times on this show and absolutely stand behind the statement that that Arsenio line is about as good as you can get in a cigar in the $5 range. I, I just I do not believe there's another $5 cigar that I enjoy as much for sure. Hmm. Uh, but the, like most of its uh, counterparts, the uh, Reserva Maduro is not, uh, as I said in the notes, is not for the faint of heart. Uh, it's not a super heavy-duty, deluxe kind of bold strength, but it is not a mild cigar. It's definitely one you want to fire up after a good meal, maybe do a little carbo-loading <laughs> beforehand, because um, uh, they do tend to blend um, some... Very flavorful cigars, but some very strong cigars at the same time. Um, and the original, uh, in the in by this name, the Miami line, is is rolled in Miami at their operation there. They also roll some cigars in Nicaragua. And the Arsenio was actually moved to Nicaragua, but has now been moved back to Miami. Um, but the hmm. uh, they really like to feature that media tempo, uh, the tobacco we've talked about in the past, and some of their cigars. And um, I I love it when that tobacco shows up because it is it is a bold tobacco but it is so flavorful and so good and I I, I tend to uh, enjoy cigars when I see those two words attached to them. Although after talking to Paul Palmer at the show he he was saying you know you know um, he was explaining media tempo and how they do it and harvest it and 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 it's a a very rare leaf it doesn't happen all the time. They can get that about one out of ten plants will get a, a leaf form. And he was saying if media tempo existed in the quantities that it exists in marketing material, it would be much cheaper. <laughs> but, <laughs> you see that a lot, and he doesn't believe that, that it's accurate in all cases. Um, yeah. But anyway, the tonight's cigar, this uh, Reserva Maduro, carries a Mexican San Andreas Maduro wrapper. Um, the uh, filler and binder is all. Uh, this is this is a quote from them. It's double A grade Aganorsa Nicaraguan uh, tobacco, and Aganorsa is kind of the. I don't know that I'd say parent company, the partner company uh, with Casa Fernandez. That's where the bulk of their tobacco comes from, and they they're very vertically integrated. They do everything from planting the seeds to selling the cigars to retailers. And, and everything in between. Um, so we are smoking the uh, Corona Extra. It's a 5x46. Uh, Spectacular also, size, by the it way. It is. Love the size. Um, it's also available in a Toro, uh, which is 6x54 and a 6x60. And this is only the third of these I've had. This actually, the first one I had was at IPCPR. And I it was early on in the show. I declared it the best I'd had up until that point, and I think I, it, it is still my very favorite cigar from the show. I don't think I smoke any that I, in you know, smoke plenty that I enjoyed, plenty that I enjoyed greatly, but I think this is my favorite from the show. Well, I am uh, I am feverishly looking for the specific name of a cigar that this so far reminds me of. Um, 
I enjoy it. It is incredibly rich. The finish on this cigar, it just, it's like it, it grabs the inside of your mouth and bonds to it, like it doesn't want to let go. I'm, I mean, I, I haven't taken a puff in a little bit, and I feel like I could, you know, chew my cud a little bit here and just taste it all over again like I was taking a puff. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. And it doesn't feel as if it's really, or it doesn't look as if it's really dense smoke, but the feel is just, I don't know, are you getting that? Is that something that I'm just getting? or? Oh, absolutely, and despite the fact that I have a big heavy-duty uh, chili for dinner, the cigar standing up well to it. It's not even batting an eyelash. <laughs> oh, chili. my gosh. I told you, I uh, I measured my sriracha hot sauce intake tonight in tablespoons. So that I uh, I tended to uh, prepare myself for a pretty heavy or, I guess, intense palate uh, <laughs> experience. And I believe that I may have even underestimated it still. Well, what in what may be deemed an epic rat hole down the road, uh, have you seen that there are sir- sriracha candy canes now? What? No. <laughs> yeah, you need to search that out. <laughs> wow, that's uh, that is interesting. I would not have expected that. I huh. love I love sriracha, but I just don't think I'd like it in a candy cane. I don't think I would like it in a candy cane either. But hmm. Well, all right. So this cigar that I'm thinking of. It is the Gran Reserva Corojo Number no. One from Jay Fuego. Hmm. I don't know the wrapper on that cigar. I would assume that it's Corojo, and that Corojo is isn't just what's used in the in the blend. But there is something with that cigar that I immediately was reminded of. I don't think I've smoked that cigar, so I I don't I don't guess I would make that correlation. I'm fairly certain that this cigar, although quick. Internet search doesn't yield this, but I'm fairly certain that this cigar is no longer made. Um, I thought it was difficult to procure, but Atlantic Cigar looks to have some. Interesting. Maybe I'll have to look into that. Anyways, um, well, this is this cigar, nonetheless, this uh, uh, Miami Reserva is really, really, um, what's the term? It demands your attention. This isn't really a background cigar. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's very far from that, actually. Exactly. It's it's not, at least for me, it's not one I would just fire up and go fiddle around doing something in the garage or whatever. It's, it's one that kind of keeps your attention for sure. There is a, um, I mean this as a term of endearment, but there's a dirtiness to this cigar. Um really, really uh, I don't know, a rustic earthiness. You know, almost like a, a um, not just wood, but wood that's slightly charred. You know, and that charry flavor, that kind of, I don't know. It's hard to describe. I've spent a lot of time on job sites where there's wet framing material and you're cutting it, and then all of a sudden you're scorching that wet material, and it tends to have a little bit of a familiar flavor to that aroma. Um, something that kind of jumps right off the bat in that in that area, but definitely strong. 
man, do I feel it on my hard palate. And there's not too many cigars that really hit me that way, but I, I can sense that body and that kind of bite on my, my hard and even a little bit of soft palate now that I think about it. Yeah, and to be perfectly honest, uh, honest, I just chopped a T right off of there. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, um, the uh, regular Miami line actually tends to hit me a little harder than these have so far, and, and maybe it's because I'm smoking the Toro in that line and this Corona Extra in this line, but um, that that one is one that, for, for me personally, I have to be careful with it. I definitely could not fire that up without a good blood sugar level pumping along. Hmm. So I'd just like to uh, publicly scold Chubb No for his comments about my hair in the chat room. I do not look like the Bride of Frankenstein. Thank you very much. <laughs> At least there's no white streak in it. <laughs> that is true. Well, wasn't Bride of Frankenstein's hair like three feet tall too? Yeah. Or am I just thinking of young Frankenstein? Straight up. That's all right. Hey, well, before we, we uh, get get jumped too far, I put something right up at the beginning of the notes and then jumped right over it. Um, uh, we wanted to uh, send out a thank you to Marina Elena Gonzalez, uh, who had sent us an email or a couple emails a few weeks back, and we talked about them with some Beatles and, and whatnot, some other information. And she sent in an unbanded and a, a very nice care package of cigars. And I, and I know a lot of folks don't hear the tail end of the show, so I wanted to get that in there early and uh, just uh, offer her a big thanks. That that was exceedingly generous. I uh, I have not seen my share of those cigars, but Maria, if you wouldn't mind dropping me an email to let me know exactly what uh, you sent to Kip so that way he doesn't short me, I'd greatly appreciate it. <laughs> your, share, your share is going to be pictures of the cigars. <laughs> you know, that's fair enough. I guess she didn't send it directly to me, so I uh, I, I think it's... It's my own problem. I'm teasing. You'll get something. Maybe uh, the, the, the bands. <laughs> the unbanded, well, anyway. It, the, uh, I, I want to get to one thing about this cigar first before uh, we move on here. Um, not that we have to move on, but um, one thing that I didn't comment about when I was given some of the initial review notes was um, that kind of earthy, rustic flavor that's something that um, I think the first cigar to really advertise Medio Tiempo um, was the Bihike, the Cohiba Bihike release uh, in 2010, maybe late 2009, the Bihike 52, 54, 56. Uh, those cigars were the first cigars out of Cuba, at least, to advertise and um, be rolled with the Medio Tiempo. And to your point, Kip, I think that initially those cigars absolutely had that tobacco in it. And I think subsequently afterwards they at times did not because there was a very hallmark flavor to that cigar individually that was present in the initial run, the pre-release, things like that. And then in some of the samples shortly thereafter, um, it disappeared. It was not there. And there was a little bit of... of um, Oh, I don't know. Uh, I, why do I want to say ambivalence? That's not the right term. Um, there was a little bit of a loss of integrity. I'll put it that way. But this cigar kind of reminds me in style as to how that kind of rusticness or that earthiness really comes across, and it reminds me a lot of that Bahike. 
So I definitely think that that leaf is in here, that priming is in here. Um, and it's something that uh, when I can handle it, when I have loaded on uh, the sugars, I really do enjoy it. Well, the cigar in my mouth. Should we talk a little bit about what Media Tiempo is? I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, so I'll give my unprepared, slightly informed uh, information about it, and then you, as always, being the brains of the operation, can come in and correct me in a very graceful way. How's that sound? I don't think I can. It's not in the notes. I, I get nervous if we stray off the notes. <laughs> uh, that's why last week was my favorite show, besides the fact that I didn't shut up. It was great to not have notes that we had to follow. <laughs> Go for it. Well, um, Media Tiempo, Medio Tiempo, is essentially um, the highest priming of leaves on a, a tobacco plant. So, typically, you you know, depending on where you are in the world, they have different terms for this. Um, volato or volato is the lowest, and at times that can be called viso, uh, or in other areas it can be called viso. Uh, that is the lowest tobacco leaves to the ground, the center tobacco leaves to the ground, the middle priming um, is typically uh, seco, S-E-C-O it's spelled. That has uh, a little bit more, um, well, I'll take a step back. Those viso leaves, the lowest priming, typically have very little um, oils and typically not much flavor. The second priming, seco, has... Definitely, definitely has flavor. Not a ton of oils, not a ton of strength, but it is definitely a a, um, a thinner leaf that brings a lot of character to it of the type of tobacco and the terroir. I'm not French, I can't say it. The higher priming, or what's most often the highest priming, is a very common type of tobacco, lajero. That is thicker, it's oilier, excuse me, it's much... Um, uh, much more flavor, typically a lot of nicotine or more nicotine. It burns slower, um, and it gives a lot of strength to a cigar. And then the highest, what what at times can be referred to as the corona or the crown of the tobacco leaf, or in this case, medio tiempo, that priming, the highest priming, the highest priming of what would be lajero leaves, the type of lajero, is that medio tiempo. It's the oldest, it's the the uh, thickest, it's the leaf that can take the most processing because it has so much structure to it that it can essentially reveal other depths of flavor, depth of flavors that um, aren't really present in different types of tobacco, different primings of tobacco. Um, yeah. and, and it's not a successful priming much of the time. It's not, it's either, you know, a, a damaged leaf, a too small leaf, or or, or for whatever reason, it doesn't successfully make the cut. Um, but maybe we can explain a little bit, too, why those leaves get a little more potent, a little more uh, durable as, as you come up the stalk. Um, to be honest, I don't know. Uh, I, I know basic um, information about it is that they'll typically get the most sun. They typically may... Um, uh, be younger leaves, I believe, rather than the lower leaves that perhaps are larger and have to try to spread out to obtain any of that um, 
those nutrients in sunlight. Is that correct? It's more of just a, well, an assumption, but this was explained to me, and you know my forty-year-old uh, memory that was not good when I was twenty uh, <laughs> doesn't always function correctly. But my poor memory reminds—I'm oh, sorry, banging the mic there—reminds uh, me of, of being explained that whatever magical, mysterious things are happening in the leaf as it's growing, and you come along and you take a priming where you take off a bottom layer of leaves, as the plant continues to draw roughly the same amount of magic from the soil, uh, it, it is a little more concentrated and a little more time of doing that as you come up the stalk. So by the time you get to the leaves that are at the very top, they've been on there the entire time, Taking the you know a, a, an even cut so to speak at each step of the process of nutrients and and whatnot from the soil so they've just accumulated more of the uh, the magic. <laughs> Tawa magic, yeah, it's the same thing really. Sure. Yeah, and that's you're correct in that that uh, absolutely is the case. If you if you travel down to different. Um, I was about to say cigar fields, different tobacco fields. Uh, cigar fields would be awesome. <laughs> they would be amazing. I bet there would be a few manufacturers who might be interested in buying some of those. Um, if you travel down and you see any tobacco fields um, and you happen to do catch the uh, the plants at time of harvest or at time of at least some of the primings being harvested, it's really, really a surreal sight. You'll see this stalk this thick, gnarly stalk with all these kind of slight offshoots where the the leaves have been primed or removed from them, and then at the top, there'll be these normal leaves. It's really, really unique. It's almost like palm tree-like. I don't know. It's kind of cool. Yeah, and this is all opposed to uh, a method that's recently been revived or at least made uh, more prominent in the news that Drew Estate's has uh, reinstituted in some of their cigars or some of their tobacco with with the stalk cut tobacco where rather than pulling primings off you know a layer at a week they'll just cut the entire stalk and hang it for curing and I don't know all the ins and outs of that uh, I, I have not seen that in action and got a firsthand scoop so I'll leave that for another day um, well you can leave that for another day but I'm gonna throw you a question about it nonetheless um, do you, am I off base? Do I recall that at times, um, not Claro tobacco, green tobacco, what the heck is it called? Green wrappers. Oh, oh Candela. Yeah, that Candela, um, is, it's a fire cure typically, not in, or a heat cured, not in the same sense of the Kentucky fire cured or the Sam Licia black. Um, but the the curing process is accelerated through artificial heat. Yes, Isn't that of, also a stock cut process? I can't answer that. I don't I don't know the answer to that. Okay. I I <laughs> that is an area I've never been especially interested in, and that's candela wrapper. I, yeah. I have not yet found one that really kept my interest for much time. Closest was that Illusion. I don't remember which one it was even was, but I like their Candela. I know of an 888 Candela that they did, but I don't know of others. Yeah. 
Well, if you're looking for information or would be interested in information on priming or how tobacco is harvested, um, TU, Tobacconist University, has got some really interesting, um, just great visuals as well as information. talks about um, the different leaves and the different primings, Volato, Seiko, Viso, Lajero, and then the Corona or the Cap. Um, uh, the top of the or crown, excuse me, of the plant where the medio tempo uh, leaves are primed from. Well, cool. Now that we have really gone down an unplanned rat hole, that's that's actually kind of a cool thing. Uh, we should have realistically thought of that beforehand and included it in the notes. But how about we jump to some news? Yeah, sorry. Oh well, maybe that's why we don't get sponsors. Yeah. Well, one thing is we turned them down. I know. Uh, News. This interesting, interesting, interesting new release from uh, Kiss My Ash. Yeah, well, smoking. Micro Blend series. Yeah, um, it it was announced on Kiss My Ash because that is the the show that Abe Tababna does, uh, who's the owner of the smoke-in chain of uh, tobacconists in South Florida. Um, and every year they do a uh, an entry in their microblend series, and they typically get a, a great manufacturer of one location or another. In the past, they've had you know, my father, Tatuaje, of course, uh, Fuente, Padron, uh, Room 101, Quesada, and this year they've announced the uh, the next. In the micro blend series, which I believe will be coming out next late spring to 2014, somewhere around there, um, it's from Eric Espinosa at the and it'll be a an offshoot of the 601 La Bamba line, and it's going to be called the Bunker Buster. Um, I actually do not recall the dimensions for that cigar, but I imagine Bunker Buster is going to make it a decently sized cigar. Well, they. I don't think they do this once a year. I'm pretty sure this is either a couple times a year or maybe they'll do it it staggered where they may do a release and then a month or two later they'll do a different release. Because I think there's seven or eight of them now. Uh, I don't yeah. think it's been going on since 2005. Has this? Uh, you may be right. It, it may be just an irregular thing. Whenever they sell out what they got or get close to it, they go ahead and start the next one. It's possible, too. Because I know those have sold at different rates, depending on the cigar. The um, Padron ones have been gone for years. The, the Tatuai Anarchy, which was the first one, uh, was reportedly sold out for a long time. But within the past 12 months, I've seen them on the shelf at a smoke-in. They're just not on their website anymore. Mm. Well, I I can say the only one of those that I've had is the El Hilo. The, the my father and um, I was not a fan. I don't know. I don't know if the fiber that I had just. I, I don't know if I didn't have it at the right time or if it wasn't a variation on the my father blend that that I appreciated or what. But um, I never really got into the Tat Anarchy or the Apocalypse, and I'm not really a, a Room 101 fan. Um, I guess I I'm sure that I've had a variant of or I've had one of their Oktoberfests. Now that I think about that, but um, yeah, I believe that Oktoberfest version was just a different size than the existing blend. I don't think that was something brand new. Hmm. Speaking of Oktoberfest, I'll catch you off guard on this too. 
Did I completely miss the Corona release of that? Yeah, I think those uh, made the made ran through their course quite some time ago. Oh yeah, yeah. It had to have been September. Man, oh man. I should have looked into that. Doggone it. I was looking over the list here. I had the Anarchy, um, the El Ijo, you mentioned, the Fuente Solaris. And as big a Fuente fan as I am, I, I didn't especially care for those. They were extremely mild in both flavor and strength. Huh. Um, uh, my understanding was that was a batch of cigars that were rolled with no destination and were at the, the factory and Abe saw them and liked them and wanted to put them out as a microblend. Uh, I had the Big Delicious, but I had the Big Delicious after a lot of cigars that day, so I can't really speak of it much. Hmm. Well, interesting. I, I love the the idea of the... Uh the micro blend slash or take on micro brews. Um, I love the new school, new new world take on just kind of taking the rules and turning them on their head. Um, the whole idea of being able to do what you want, how you want, um, from wherever you want is very intriguing to me. Um, and I think that, that it really embodies that mentality. So, I applaud them for doing it, and uh, maybe if this La Bamba take is uh, uh, available to me, I might go out and try a new cigar. <gasps> yeah, I think that normally the Microblend series, at least at release, is only available at Smoke In, but at some point down the road, they're more widely available. And I did not even know that until the uh, Chattanooga tweet-up, and I saw that there are some Tatuaje Anarchies on the shelf at uh, Burns in Chattanooga. But I think you had mentioned that on the show. Yeah, I think, and and these are pretty limited, but not extremely so. There's usually 15,000 or so, uh, maybe a little more than that, uh, of each one. So if you really want to try them, you'll have a chance. Uh, like I said, it's just you know, if you like who's making them, it's definitely worth a shot. And I do, I have to say, I have become quite a fan of Eric Espinosa's cigars. Those, uh, um, the the La Bamba line, even the the lines he kept from the EO brands days, as well as his new ones coming out of Lazona. Lazona Habano. You all right? I, I chuckled at the chat room and inhaled some of this smoke, which is not a smart idea. <laughs> <laughs> So how about we jump on to the next little item here with Room 101. Um, Let's do it. uh, The Master Collection 1 has landed, uh, and I believe the Master Collection 2 is right behind it. If I'm recalling the press release right from a few months ago, those were going to be pretty much one right after the other, uh, those two. Um, But the the 1 has landed, has a San Andreas wrapper, uh, Corojo Corte, from Honduras is the binder, and the filler is Honduras, Nicaraguan, and Mexico. Mexican. Um, it's getting really rave reviews, and people are really enjoying it. I tried one, and I'm I'm a pretty big Room 101 fan. This one didn't. Uh, there was nothing inherently wrong with it. It just didn't strike my fancy. Um, if I was going to smoke a Room 101, I'd get definitely get the Daruma personally. But uh, uh, it's a good cigar. It just didn't. 
like I said, didn't stand me on my head, but it is definitely uh, good enough. I'd be willing to certainly give it another try next time I'm at the shop. Our counterparts on um, Cigar Federation, the Stogie Geeks, mm-hmm. I believe were enjoying this cigar eight days ago. <clears throat> eight days ago? Maybe it was two weeks ago. Um, when the gents interviewed Matt Booth, episode 72, 73, somewhere in that range. So um, if you want a real-time review of that on a lively and uh, <laughs> rather hilarious episode, uh, go give that a watch or a listen. That was a pretty good one. Pretty interesting <laughs> one. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Matt Booth's a fun guy. Maybe don't do it when the children are around. But Sage advice. <laughs> uh, well, that's interesting. I uh, um, I have heard... It's funny that you describe the reviews as being rave. I have heard some rumblings about that cigar um, that are more intrigue than anything else. That hmm. there's either something odd with the flavor, not odd in a negative way, but there's something different with the flavor or the cigar itself appears to be... Um, I don't know, just intriguing. If you do some internet searching, you can find some of that conversation, those conversations, and uh, it's been a cigar that's been intriguing to kind of sit in the wing, sit in the weeds, and watch, watch its release a little bit. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> well, now onto the world of weird. Uh, I, I think, I, did I send you an email about this? I sent you one, and, you, and your reply was, what's the point? And that was kind of what I, the, the gist of my text was. It, um, well, that's that's right. The, that, you're correct. I remember you doing that. Um, the next news item, if anybody understands this, shoot us a line, explain it. I, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. Kip's not the smartest guy in the world. But this just doesn't make sense to us. There, folks, happens to be a such thing as nicotine-free electronic... Cigars and cigarettes. Yeah, Why? And there's not uh, an attached story or anywhere we're getting that from. It was just a stray comment on Google Plus. I saw that that's somebody had put up a, something about a an e-cigar, and the uh, consensus was, "What's the point? If I want a cigar, I'm just going to get a cigar." And and the uh, the person said, "Well." I got the nicotine-free version because I don't smoke cigarettes, and and that absolutely kind of stunned me. I was like, I don't under, I, that that didn't compute. <laughs> that t- t- just you know locked up my my brain in some kind of logic loop as to why there would even be nicotine-free electronic cigars. But if anybody <laughs> out there knows the reasoning for that, you, you're one up on me because I I don't understand. You want to know what the <laughs> the uh... Uh, the other name for nicotine-free e-cigarettes is called? A stick? <laughs> <laughs> no, a humidifier. <laughs> I mean, because it's basically I, I, just steam, isn't it? Water vapor? I guess. I, I guess there's, maybe they add some flavorings to it as well, because you can get them in different flavors and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, but, but a cigar? Flavored cigars that... I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it was beyond me anyway. I, I didn't get it. You know, my <laughs> cigars are not health food. They, they they do carry some risks. They're not the same as you know smoking a couple of packs of cigarettes every day, certainly. But 
it's a calculated risk. And if you're either willing to do it or not, and if you want to smoke a cigar, just smoke your ever-loving cigar and <laughs> quit being a Nancy about it, to, <laughs> to quote a guy I used to correspond with online. Uh, there's a, a two-word phrase in uh, in the notes here. Mind, period, blown, period. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. <laughs> well, you know, uh, along uh, the same line of kind of the, the artificial cigarette, artificial nicotine, uh, I was... I've been doing some research on those sorts of things, and just at this point, I don't even know if it can really be called research, more just uh, educational reading. And I've found that someone has synthesized alcohol or made artificial alcohol to essentially eliminate the hangover. That the same characteristics of, of alcohol... Uh, intoxication have been it, it, an alcohol with that does not cause all of the toxins um, to be ingested in your body has been made at this point. And how it relates here is that um, the inventor sees a market similar to e-cigarettes, the ability to um, get what you need from that artificial you know, uh, I guess that replacement product without all or as many of the negative side effects. And I thought that that was, that was interesting. This person is looking for um, investors, some capital, and is attempting to market this to change the, the whole idea of what a, a bar or a pub uh, really can, uh, uh, can sell, can and may sell in the future. It's really a weird thing. Sounds like a recipe for a crack house institution to me. Well, it could be. <laughs> but hmm. anyhow, our next story is a little bit of good news, I suppose, that, that's not entirely related to cigars, but it impacts cigars. Uh, there was a, a, a bill that had been put forth uh, to end the days of tax-free Internet purchases. And the way the bill was written was that any retailer that had more than a million dollars of gross sales every year would be forced to collect sales tax from any or from any state they sell to. They would have to collect and report that tax back to the state, the, the appropriate state. And so <clears throat> that was the first step in ending all uh, tax-free days, so to speak. Well, you know, today you're theoretically supposed to report anything you purchase and pay the pro proper tax on it uh, online. But, of course, very few, if any, people do that. Um, you want to know what? What? I'm one of those idiots who does it. <laughs> I am. I, I, I am scared to death about taxes, and maybe it's because I'm not a good enough cheat. But, man, oh, man, I just don't screw around with that. I always put it in my taxes. In, wait, I'm talking state and local sales tax, not any kind of income tax. What do you mean put it um, in your taxes? I am talking about state and local sales. Excuse me. Um, what am I talking about? I'm talking <laughs> about paying sales tax with my income tax. 
you have the opportunity to do that with some of the the online to take a generic deduction and include an itemized list of whatever you've purchased and not paid yet. I'm not smart enough to follow basically what you just did, but basically you have the opportunity to pay the tax, which I don't understand how they can combine sales and income tax. But with TurboTax, the last two years, I have done that, taken the uh, the preset. Hey, do you want to put? I think it's a hundred dollars uh, in tax for your internet purchases now that you're supposed to be taxed on those purchases. Gotcha. And I'm one of the Indians who's done it, and I don't know. I don't know the reason for it. I just know that I make internet purchases, and I don't want to get screwed because I didn't do that. Gotcha. Well, I'm can't say that I ever have, but I can also say it's a. I'm pretty archaic. It's a rare occasion I buy anything online, because mainly because I don't buy a lot of stuff except cigars, and for the most part, I buy those at shops I happen to be in. Hmm. But anyhow, that uh, that bill has stalled and for the foreseeable future is not going anywhere. So uh, those who don't report everything, I guess, will run unchecked for some period of time more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know nothing about this next one, so you better talk about it. (laughs) Okay. I was talking to an Oliva rep a few weeks ago, and he mentioned this, but asked specifically that I not publish anything about it. Um, but it, somebody asked me about it and had read it on Half Wheel, so I went to check it out. And, and apparently it's okay to be talked about and published now. It's no longer a secret. Um, it was posted on Instagram by the U.K. distributor, Oliva's distributor over there, and, and subsequently reported by Half Wheel. That Oliva is shipping a six by sixty Milanio for the European market, something that uh, you know at least today is not available here. I don't think. Um, so it, it, I took a couple of things from that. One is it kind of speaks a little about the European market changing because they have not uh, been as strongly into the really big ring gauges as Americans have. Um, and maybe they at least see Oliva or other companies as well, see a little bit of that changing and are at least kind of taking some strides to make those you know, bigger rings available over there. But the uh, the thing that really jumped out at me is when I looked at the Instagram picture that the distributor posted was that these cigars will retail in the U.K. at about 21 uh, British pounds, which is 34 U.S. dollars roughly. Uh, at today's exchange rates, and that's per stick. So a box of 10 cigars is $340, and while the Milanio is certainly not a bargain cigar, that that's a lot of tax, and that's that's just incredible to me, the $34 a cigar for something that probably, I don't know, may go for 12 or 13 here. Uh, so you're looking at more than double, almost triple the, the price for cigars. And, you know, this is for, for those of us out there that don't seem to be as worried about the uh, barrage of tax increases and other legislation that we're seeing here. That's what's coming, and, and Zedman's in the chat room tonight. I'm sure he could talk a little about Canadian taxes already and how outrageous they are. And Pete in Australia, uh, we are very... Uh, 
blessed with with low taxes, even in our high tax states. Um, but the day's coming, or at least if nothing changes, that, that this is going to be a widespread thing here as well. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll have a little bit of a differing perspective on the European market comment um, that you made. That uh, oh, it's interesting to see that the European market is um, also getting starting to get into the larger ring cigars. Um, it, it, I'm a firm believer that the European market um, has been progressively moving towards this essentially uh, lockstep with the American market. If you look at the moves that Abanos SA has made since 2002 with the, the Cuban cigars that they have discontinued and the new releases that have subsequently replaced them, it is almost across the board um, cigars with a ring larger than 46, a ring gauge larger than 46, and many, many times that ring gauge is larger than 50. Um, I, knew, I knew that the Bahikes were, what, 52, 54, and 56 or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I guess I don't really keep up with Cuban uh, production the same way you do. Are they pushing out stuff that's really up pushing that 60 ring? 60 ring, perhaps not, but most certainly I'd say 90% of the releases in the last 10 years have been plus 50 ring gauge. Hmm. I guess I wasn't aware of that at all. 52, 54 are very, very common. Very common. Um, hmm. Look at some of the best-selling cigars from the last decade. The Monte Cristo Edmundo, um, the Cohiba Sublimis, the Cohiba Siglo 6, the, um, <clears throat> oh, let's see, what is what have some other big ones been? The Edmundo Dantes 109, which is a variation of the Monte Cristo blend, um, Almost all of the um, Edition Limitadas, there's been a few 42 ring gauge release, 44 ring gauge release. Those are typically only regional release, regional edition. Um, one of the first cigars we smoked on this show, the Ramoniones Eminencia from 2005. That was a 5 and 5 eighths by 44. That's one of the smaller releases from the last 10 years. More recently, um, the Canadian regional edition is, I believe, a 56 from, from Ramoniones, uh, the most recent Canadian regional release. Um, Punch, Partigas, almost all of them have been 50-plus. Uh, it's really been interesting to see. Um, that whole market is changing, and you're losing famed um, historic cigar sizes like the Ninfa, uh, 6 and 7 eighths by 28. I mean, that's a like a pencil. That cigar, that Vitola is, I believe, 100% discontinued. There hasn't been a new Corona release in Cuba since, my goodness. I can't even think of the last Corona release in Cuba. There was a Lonsdale release in 2006 from the Por Laranaga. I don't know of another Lonsdale, and a Lonsdale is... Uh, uh, in the Cuban format is 6.5 by 42. Um, it's really quite shocking how they're, they're cutting the low sales figures, or the, the cigars with the low sales figures in the low 40s and even in the 30s and sometimes the 20 rings, 
and essentially taking that tobacco and cramming it into larger ring gauge cigars. Yeah, so it sounds like maybe they are definitely moving the same direction, but not quite at the uh, seven by seventy or six by eighty stage that we're seeing here yet. No, I I totally agree with that. I believe, um, short of Figurados, if you're going to stick with a Parejo, which is a straight sided cigar, I believe the largest ring gauge cigar uh, commercially available in Cuba today is a fifty six. Um, uh, although that 50 plus, 50, 52, 54, 56 is just overloaded at this point. Ah, gotcha. <clears throat> well, our next little story, I guess I dropped this in there from uh, something I came across on the Cigar Aficionado site, some article they posted, and just... I have very little to say about it. I really put it in there to see what you would say about it. And it's about a cigar from Camacho called Blackout. And this is a quote directly from their article. It says that Camacho claims they were they had they they took a different approach to fermenting the wrapper tobacco using a process it calls press fermentation. This means the extra weight that extra weight was added on top of the tobacco pilones as the wrapper underwent its fermentation process. According to Camacho, the increased pressure intensifies the internal temperatures, a step required for these darker, oily, upper-priming leaves. Um, I read this <clears throat> previously, and I think that it's horse bleep. Um, hmm. uh, I, I, if you've ever been in a factory, you'll see either thermometers that are in the pylons, or you'll see probes. Probes, okay. Um, you'll see uh, a, a sign on the side of the um, Casa de Curado. Um, no, that's where they're curing. What's the, the the building where the pilones typically are called? What the heck is the name of that building? It doesn't matter. Um, if you, you go in that structure, you'll see uh, a paper or a form oftentimes on the wall, and it has the different pilones by number, and they're their temperature logs. <clears throat> and so you'll see that there is great variation in those temperatures. Um, and you'll also see that when it gets to a certain elevated temperature, the tobacco needs to be rotated so it does not overheat. I don't think that... I, I Knowing the scientific side of it, not knowing tobacco, I don't think that pressure would allow the tobacco to sustain higher levels of heat um, that, that's actually specifically what I was wanting to hear from you about because I knew that during fermentation that if you're making a Maduro wrapper, typically the temperature they go to until before uh, this pulled apart and, and reassembled to, to rearrange the, the heat, so to speak, is a little higher for Maduro. But uh, I, I, I guess I didn't see this as a as a plus, as a pro for doing that. I didn't understand why you would want to quickly intensify the internal temperatures, as they said, because you still have that maximum temperature you want to go to without going too far and, and quote-unquote, burning the tobacco. There may be something in this that has more to do with limiting the oxygen supply than it does raising the temperature. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying that pressure wouldn't potentially have some sort of an impact on the cigar, or on the, the fermentation or aging process. Well, In fact, I think it's quite the opposite. I'm sure that pressure does have an impact on that. 
I just don't think that it's temperature, what they specifically call out, which benefits the process. Yeah, and, and this process of adding pressure to a tobacco while it's fermenting is not unheard of in the pipe tobacco world. That's the way uh, Perique has been made centuries. What they do is they pack it into a, a drum or a barrel, and they have these big presses, and they tighten the press down, 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 until whatever you know, magical you know, amount of pressure they want on it. And that's how it's fermented, under that greater pressure. And Perique definitely has you know, a, a signature flavor, so I don't know... I don't know what all's going on in there uh, at a uh, chemical level, but the, there's something different about it. Isn't Camacho's new slogan, Be Bold? Yes, or something like that. The New Bold. The New Bold, that might be it. To me, this <clears throat> this line of intensifies the internal temperatures, um, that to me sounds more manly than limits the exposure to oxygen and thus the chemical breakdown. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think the the Mike Ditka, which uh, who is essentially a namesake of one of Camacho's cigars, I don't think the Mike Ditka meatball type uh, man's man. <laughs> I could go into a lot more uh, stereotypes here. I, I don't think that character is looking to hear about the scientific approach of this benefit. I think something like intensity and it's more manly, and we've gone further and harder and more intense, that sounds like it's more in line with their mission statement or mantra uh, than perhaps what this actually might be accomplishing or how it might be accomplishing it. Yeah, I can see that. But it, but it, for no other reason than just pure speculation, it kind of caught my attention and thought it was something I might like to uh, at least dive a little more into and learn a little bit. It's interesting, though. Mm -hmm. I thought so, anyway. But, I'm uh, certainly... I may not be the guy who likes new cigars every time I go into a shop, um, but I, I am the guy who likes new thinking. Give me a reason to to want to seek out your product. Not just I put a cigar on the shelf, but... I put a cigar on the shelf that's done in a way that's never been done before, and it yields a result that you can't get in a typical manner. Done. I'm there. I respect that. It might not be successful. In fact, it might suck. But I appreciate the fact that someone is trying to to go through the scientific process, even if they don't call it that, of finding the best results by looking for any variable that's possible. Yep, I agree. Uh, cool. <laughs> Haven't been able to stick that in there this tonight. Grab one while I could. I know we we've already mentioned Stogie Geeks, but I feel like they got to up their game if they want to compete with the geekiness of this show. <laughs> there are many kinds of nerds in this world. <laughs> well, uh, what else you been enjoying this week? Or well, not? No, 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 no. We. Uh, we can drop off that not enjoyed description here. I have I have one cigar to talk about, pardon me, and it is an absolute um, <laughs> I just saw your highlight. Um, it is an absolute um, 
must try. It is one of the best cigars I've ever had in my life. It's a must-try that you don't know what it is and we can't get it. Uh, that's correct, yes. Come so, on, man. My comments are completely unverifiable, unverifi- but at the same time, incredibly intriguing. As so, a person who is a huge fan of what you're about to talk about, you, you just you just irritate the shit out of me. <laughs> Uh, I can feel you seething from this far away. Well, let me take another good puff off of this uh, Miami here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Yummy. Um, this week I uh, I smoked <clears throat> um, the Fuente Don Carlos Sun Grown Maduro from 2006. And I will put air quotes around Don Carlos. And I should probably put air quotes around all of this um, because this information is secondhand. The, what the type of cigar that this was uh, is secondhand. So I, I, a traded bomb from um, a fellow BOTL.org, brothersoftheleaf.org, um, brother of the month. Uh, I, I had a gathering, or I went to a gathering in 2010, their annual hurt for all the brothers of the month. Um, and this cigar was was traded. I bombed someone. He bombed me back, uh, and he gave me this. And the only thing, the only markings on this cigar were a handwritten band um, that was not the typical band. It wasn't kind of that, you know, that sticky um, adhesive that you get on, on homemade bands or homewritten bands. This almost was something that was glued with pectin that was almost as if it was like a factory sample or something. The only thing that was marked on the band was the were the letters S G M, and then O six, um, and it was told to me that it was definitely a Fuente product. Uh, so smoking this earlier in the week, whenever that was, um, it to me revealed that it was only that I could guess it to be a Don Carlos based blend. Um, it had tartness and crisp uh, uh, flavors on the start with some substantially enjoyable flavors accompanying that. Um, aromatic, really aromatic fresh berries, a pipe tobacco sensation, vanilla, they, they all, like the aroma of vanilla, all danced in and out for the first half of this cigar. Really, really enjoyable. Um, the flavors deepened and matured throughout the length uh, to like a, uh, a, a, much in the same way that a you know a slow cooked chili or ragu sits on the stove all afternoon and it tastes completely different four or five hours later, um, it was so much better as this cigar progressed. The, the first half was spectacular. The cigar just matured as it smoked. Um, it's a stick that I wish was regular production and simply simply stated this is one of the best cigars that I've had in years. It was. It will go on the list of the best cigars I've ever smoked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and I I went on what was formerly uh, uh, what the heck was his website? Andrew um, Moki, as he's affectionately known, he had a website for years that became Vitolas.net, which became another website altogether, Cigar Asylum, 
No, not Cigar Asylum. Gar, Gar Trader or something like that. Gar Trader now, but it even was something before Gar Trader. Um, and I went on there and I looked at every single photograph of rare and uh, unique Fuente cigars that he has on his website, and I didn't find it. Um, so I really can't substantiate that this is a Don Carlos blend. I can't substantiate that it was ever called a sun-grown Maduro, uh, which was what I was told the SGM stood for. Well, uh, they, they have attached sun-grown Maduro a few times to some cigars. Um, and I can't even really verify that this was for sure a Fuente because it didn't say Fuente anywhere on the band. It's just what I was told three years ago. But the cigar definitely was reminiscent of the Don Carlos blend. Mm-hmm. And it was freaking amazing. <laughs> just, just drive that in there and twist a little nutter twist. <laughs> Want to be grumbling the rest of the night now? Mm-hmm. Mm, and I only have one, and I smoked it, Kip. <laughs> That's all right. I only have one of a lot of cigars that I'm going to be smoking now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take that. It was it was worth the ridicule I'm getting. Uh, it's not ridicule. Just a little uh, vitriol. I'm definitely going to be sent the butt of all those cigars from Maria, aren't I? <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> Maybe the, the caps I clip off of them. <laughs> uh, well, what do you got, man? I got a handful of things that kind of uh, I enjoyed this week, and actually this first one was last week, but we didn't uh, didn't cover it during last week's show, of course. Uh, it was, uh, and I did a review of this over at the Cigar Me. It's uh, Felix Asseline, and that's A S S O U L I N E. And this is a company I came across at IPCPR. I had never heard of them uh, <laughs> appropriately because it's a new company. Uh, but I was walking around, and, and my friend Benny Gomez, who had a line called Havana Sunrise in years past, uh, that he at the time had made by Luis Sanchez. And he's partnered up with these guys at uh, Felix Asset Line. And he took me over to their booth, and I kind of looked at what they had, and, and uh, they gave me some samples, and this was one of those. And um, uh, it, it's a really good cigar, but there's something, and, and you can read the review to get all the details, but there's something that really struck me as neat. I uh, had reviewed one of the others. from. They had four different lines, and I'd uh, already done a review of one of the others, and I looked up the, uh, the the blend details for this cigar, and I thought it really looked familiar. So I looked back at the other one, and it was the same. And so I went to their website, and all four cigars have the same wrapper, same binder, and same filler, just in different proportions. And and they do actually taste different, at least the two I've smoked so far. Um, the Havana Sunrise has been completely reblended. This Their new, uh, new blend or new uh, components for their cigars, they have a, a 98 uh, Habano wrapper, and they don't specify an origin there, but they are a Nicaraguan company, so I would just about bet that was Nicaraguan tobacco. I don't think it was Jalapa. I, I would guess, if I had to make a wild guess, that means nothing. It was probably Estelian. Um, they have an Indonesian binder, and their filler blend is Nicaraguan and Honduran. And uh, that that particular set of ingredients is the same throughout all four lines. And I'm interested to smoke the other two now and see how much variation they're able to get with the same components in four different lines. 
Well, if, if Monty Pasquale is <laughs> uh, any indication, you can get decent variation and incredible complexity uh, and changes in complexity by using the same blend in different proportions and different Vitolas. True. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's see. What else have I got on here? I got my hands on this year's uh, Oliva Siri V Maduro, uh, which is more Robusto-ish. I think it's 5 by 54 this year, which is a, a departure from previous years where they had a uh, Torpedo and and uh, last two years it was a Toro, which I think was 6 by 50 um, But I put in the nose, it was wonderful at always and, and has very similar flavors, very... Uh, very much like what the past years have been, except I thought maybe this year was a little more bold, a little more, I had a little more strength than I uh, am getting out of the older ones. And, you know, maybe it could be that the others have now have a few years on them because I'm smoking the 2010 ones lately. Um, or it could just be my that my constitution hasn't been 100% lately. Maybe it was just kind of hitting me a little harder than, than would yeah. normally be the case. Um Anyway, those, I will be stocking up on them. I would advise anybody that likes them to do the same, of course, because it is a limited run. Uh, although it seems like the production was a little higher this year. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think there were a few more of those made than have been for the past couple of years. Um, the other one, I actually sent you a text uh, late one night driving back from Lake Mary. I'd been over to uh, an event at uh, Corona up in Lake Mary. Actually, it wasn't an event. I didn't go to the event. I just went to the shop afterward and, um, to hang out with uh, John Carney uh, at La Florida Minicana for a little while and talk to him. And uh, I picked up uh, this year's Halloween release from Tatuaje, the Jason. And I just got one of those because they, they actually had them out on the counter at the cash register rather than in the racks of cigars around the store. Um, so I grabbed one to try, and I thought it was a fantastic cigar. I've had all of the Halloween releases except the Drac, and I I think this is my favorite that I've had so far. Wow! Uh, it, it you know like I told you on the phone and now in the notes that it is all the things that make Tatuaje Tatuaje. If, if somebody gave me that cigar unbanded and I lit it, I would instantly guess this is a Tatuaje cigar of some kind. Uh, it's just in a much larger larger format than I'm used to smoking. Um, it reminded me early on of the seventh Kappa Especial. It didn't stay there, but it but it did. That's instantly what I thought when I first lit it. Um, and I never did look to see if if they share any components. But um, really good cigar. Just maybe a little big for me because it 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 beat me senseless by the time I was done with it. <laughs> and it wasn't that it was just outrageously strong. It was just so big. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, it, the, the, the size of that cigar wore me down more than the, the strength uh, inherent in the, the blend. Um, and, and I put in a notice it might be a little tough for some folks to, to drop 13 bucks on something to try, but if you're a Tatawahe fan, I think that, that you will not regret uh, the Jason. I think it's a great smoke. Um, definitely worth giving a try. That's the biggest problem that I have with those Halloween releases. And there's, you know, I, I, I don't, I shouldn't call it a problem. That's the biggest thing that I don't enjoy about those Halloween releases. The cigars take 
forever to smoke. Yeah, I mean, the, they're uh, just huge. I lit that at the moment I was leaving. That This particular Corona shop is the furthest from me. And it's about a two-hour drive or just over. And I still had a... Uh, you know, maybe two and a half inches of that left when I got home, and wow, it it, it lasted a long, long time. And I didn't want to put it down. It didn't matter that I was already getting a little bit of the cold sweats and some dizziness, but it it was so good. I just didn't want to put it down. <laughs> uh, we are a sick bunch, cigar smokers, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, there are some that would say so. Uh, I got. Uh, <laughs> One more to talk about on here, and I also did a review of this on the Cigar Me this week, and it is from a company called Table 36. And I think most people out there probably don't know this. Actually, a couple in the chat room may know. It's it's a, a Missouri-based company. I believe they're in Kansas City. Um, they uh, It's a group of guys that got a really cool backstory that once a month they used to all meet at a restaurant, have a meal together, light up cigars, and just kind of hang out for the evening. And their table was table 36. And so at some point, a uh, number of those guys decided they they wanted to put out a cigar. So appropriately, they called the company table 36. And um, at last year's 2012 Chattanooga Tweet Up, this was one of the cigars in my uh, my bag of cigars that we got, and it was called the Fellowship. And I. Didn't smoke it there. I got home, lit that thing up, and thought, man, this is a really, really good cigar. And for me to have never heard of it, especially, you know, I try to at least keep a thumb on the pulse of the industry and see you know, what new new companies and new cigars are coming down the pike. But I'd never, ever heard of this. So I started doing a little digging around and made a couple of calls and trying to find out where they came from, who they were, and that kind of thing. And they don't want their cigars sold online. And they did not have a retailer close to me. The closest retailer to me was out in the panhandle of Florida. And because of the way Florida is built, it's about an eight-and-a-half-hour drive. So, <laughs> you know, a little disappointed. I went about my business for the past year, and, and uh, lo and behold, at IPCPR, I saw their table and went over and chatted a little bit and got some of the, the story behind the company. And, and they gave me an integrity to try, which is their new line this year. And then subsequently, through some trading with a guy, uh, or through one of the uh, internet forums, I got another one. So I, I smoked two of these, and I, I got to tell you, I think they are a a sleeper in the industry. I think what they're doing is is great, and the um, their initial cigar, the Fellowship, I think was made at uh, Rice's Cubana. If I'm saying that correctly, probably not. Rice's. Um, Rice's Cubana, whatever. Yeah. We'll get there one of these days. I'll learn how to pronounce these words. Um, <clears throat> the the new one that I smoked, the Integrity, though, is made at Nestor Placencia. And it, it is a much uh, more full-bodied, full-strength kind of smoke. It's absolutely not overpowering at all at any point. Um, uh, but definitely a notch or more stronger than the uh, Fellowship. Um, but you can go over and check out that review. Uh, I was smoking the, the Corona Gorda, but it is a Nicaraguan Puro. It has <laughs> your favorite nutty wrapper, the Jalapa wrapper. has a double binders, uh, SLE and Jalapa binders. And the filler blend is Condega and Jalapa. Hmm. 
really dug it, really liked it, really would love for a retailer around here to carry these. Um, so even uh, with uh, even with Condega, you did. I did. Any uh, adverse effects or no? No, but I think you're thinking of Ometepe. That's the tobacco that irritated my yep. throat in the past. Yep, I am. Carry on. <laughs> but, um, I, I think that they, um, I don't know what their distribution is, how widespread they are. I don't know the number of retailers, any of that. Uh, I do know they're practically unheard of around here, and I'd really like to see them in a shop in this part of the, the state. But, uh, you know, I think if they keep putting out this quality of cigar, it's just a matter of them being at the right place and the right time and, and uh, kind of maybe step up a, another notch within the industry. Um, so, random question that is spurred from the chat room, although not asked in the chat room. Um, the Ezra Zion, that is now dubbed the Jamais Vu, is that uh, the, the cigar that is blended by... Um, Casa Fernandez. Oh, that's the Casa Fernandez one. Okay. Everything but the Reagan. The Reagan is uh, through Quesada. <clears throat> yeah. That's what I was looking to confirm. Okay. What else we got going on here tonight? Got uh, talk, talk to me about uh, your side topic. Well, you know, I uh, I am a lover of movies, films. I, I <laughs> quite opposite of you. I've come to excuse me. Quite opposite. Boy, oh boy, do I have, like, peanut butter in my mouth? Good gracious. Quite the opposite of you, I have come to find out. Um, I just love everything about um, movies. I, I could probably see a movie every day, watch a movie every day if I could find the time to do it and uh, still enjoy the hobby. And <clears throat> so I thought, you know, it might be kind of fun. We've got this platform here where we can do whatever the heck we want and kind of bust into conversation, and uh, so I thought maybe I would talk a little bit about some of my favorite cigar movies. Um, <clears throat> you know, figured what the heck, if nothing else, maybe it'll tell the listeners some of the, some movies that uh, uh, are interesting that uh, involve cigars as well as good cinema, and maybe they want to go out and take a look at one or spend a Saturday night and uh, just expand their horizons. How's that? And so I figured, well, what the heck? Um uh, why not start with my favorite cigar movie, um, which is certainly no secret to many in the cigar world, but uh, it is The Lost City. And so I figured that uh, we'd talk about it a little bit. I'd share a little bit about the film, and maybe if somebody's got an opportunity or a little bit of time, they can kick back with one of their favorite cigars, enjoy the uh, the movie, and maybe it'll enhance both. So Lost City is... Um, uh, obviously named the same as the 2011, uh, 2010, actually, I think it's correct, Fuente release uh, by the same name. Um, rumor has it that the tobacco being grown actually in the movie uh, was the crop harvested for the original release of those cigars. So, And you have since confirmed that, so thank you very much. Yep. <laughs> that tobacco was... Uh, that tobacco for the original Lost City cigars, Fuente Lost City cigars, was grown during the rainy season, 
um, specifically for the film and has been discussed at time, and I will certainly say discussed, I will not say that this is definitive, um, as being part of the reason for the inconsistencies seen in the initial cigars. Um, and the side note here is that the irrigation was not nearly as able to be controlled as much as uh, when tobacco is typically grown in the winter months, or what we in the northern hemisphere would view as the winter months. Um, well, well-known Cuban writer Orlando Kiorga um, wrote the screenplay for this movie, and what he did was he captured the feel of the Cuban Revolution's emotional impact on every level of that country. The individual, the family, businesses, refugees, revolutionaries, politicians, artists. Um, in that movie, there's a facet <clears throat> from each of those lifestyles or people um, that's represented. And I, I really feel that this movie is more of a window into that time. Um, and as cigar smokers and as new age cigar smokers, we all really owe a lot to that, that Cuban revolution. Um, the closing down of the Cuban market um, naturally spurred the cigar industry to spread its wings, to expand. You know, um, So many of the, the famed uh, cigar makers that we know and love, um, I mean, countless numbers of the, the cigar makers that we've come to love over the last few decades, um, are actually Cuban expatriates. Um, and we perhaps wouldn't have them in the same manner at which we enjoy their product now if it wasn't for this event in uh, the late 50s and early 60s. So Cuban Revolution is a really intriguing um, a point of history for me individually. Um, and th this movie, directed and produced by Andy Garcia, uh, really, to me, was allowed to speak to that entire story and capture the feeling of that time frame in that country. Nearly every emotion is evoked by the, the, the really and truly epic look at Cuba in 1959. Um, I, I say that this could practically be a documentary, but I don't mean that in the sense that it's, it's dull and plotting and just tells a story without an entertaining, entertaining factor. Um, it's, in fact, quite the opposite. You feel such a connection for the characters although it doesn't come across when you look back on it as a very <clears throat> fluidly progressing story. It's almost as if you're watching a 10-year span of, of people's lives rather than a continuous story. And I, it doesn't feel clunky. It doesn't feel laboring. It just feels honest. Like that story could only be told in the way that it was told Um it may not be the world's greatest movie because it doesn't fit that mold, um, you know, the the five or six real mold uh, that you know you can describe modern cinema in, but it does really effectively capture the viewer. And having you know having a cigar while you're watching that is really an enjoyable experience. You you gain a higher level of respect for what it is that you're enjoying and. Um, you know, maybe a little cliche, but let's just say you have a little bit more of a uh, of a connection to it as well. So, I really, really uh, enjoy that film. I enjoy what it does to me emotionally. <laughs> weep, weep. Um, 
<laughs> and uh, I, I would wholeheartedly recommend it to anyone who uh, wants to sit down for two and a half hours or something and is interested in that bit of history. Cool. Have you seen that? I have seen that. I actually enjoy that movie quite a bit. I've seen it a couple times. Andy Garcia plays the the main role, uh, besides being the director of the film. Um, and Orlando Kiorga, he's he has since passed. He died uh, about five years ago, I believe. But he's a really, really he was a really, really well respected um, Cuban writer. Uh, I don't think that he. Uh, has written very many, or had written very many screenplays, but um, he's written a number of books about Cuba and about Cuban cigars, and he's intimately familiar with the culture and lifestyle. Um, and I just, I just can't say enough how well, to me at least, he seemed to capture uh, that, you know, that decade. It's, it's really a special film, it really is. I like it. Plus the fact uh, Carlito Fuente has got a bit of a cameo in it, which is kind of funny yeah. when I wasn't expecting it, at least. Well, I was expecting it. I was watching for uh, for that very reason, actually, you know, the first time I saw it. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I was expecting a little more footage of the farm or whatever in there. But that's okay. Uh, I, uh, I wonder if they just couldn't have given it, because it would have been pretty difficult to to hide what it was. I don't know. There's a lot of things about about um, the Fuente farm that really appear to be individual, you know? I mean, you can't quite get away with that Opus X uh, rock formation and say that that was something from the 50s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what else? You got a couple other things on here to talk about. Yeah, I do, actually. I, um, I just found out today that... Uh, uh, a really good friend of mine, somebody who was a, uh, a an oft uh, guest to Dogwatch Cigar Radio, Colin Ganley, uh, um, the owner and uh, tour guide from Cigar Tourism, one of the chief editors and owners of uh, Cigar Journal Magazine. Um, uh, he has, I guess, expanded his repertoire a little bit. Um, and has taken to uh, becoming a coffee roaster. He's, I've just found out the specifics today of the formal release of what will be called Twin Engine Coffee. Um, he, I know he's always had a passion for coffee, um, and usually how he drinks it, you could also call it sludge, but um, <laughs> he, he really is passionate about coffee, and I think that it's... Um, something that he enjoys perhaps or has more fun with even than cigars. And so I've witnessed uh, a bit of his passion for uh, for coffee kind of bloom or blossom over the last few years. And uh, to the surprise of no one, um, he has formed a company called Twin Engine Coffee. And essentially what he's doing, he he's taking coffees that are grown um, off of a single mountainside in Lyon, Nicaragua, and he is individually um, picking what beans he wants, um, roasting them himself, and blending uh, this coffee into what I'm really excited about. I have not tried it. Uh, I'm not, you know, this is not a formal endorsement in terms of sponsorship or anything like that. It's just something that I'm intrigued about, um, and I want to share with the listeners. Hopefully they can be intrigued about it as well. 
Um, and the the most enjoyable aspect of this to me is the fact that this coffee was meant uh, to pair with cigars. Um, it it specifically was told to me that it is an excellent pair with cigars, pairing with cigars. So uh, I'm looking forward to trying. They have um, uh, two different initial blends, and you can get those roasted in two different manners each. So I'm going to try all four of those different uh, methods. They also have some flavored coffee too, if that's the sort of thing you like. So I will gladly report back on this in the future. Hey, uh, just as a side note, I had actually two requests this week, and one of them's in the chat room tonight uh, to find out if we could bring Colin on the show because they had really liked the show when he came on Dog Watch. Well, I, um, I've i never asked Colin to be on the show, but I'm sure that if I did, he would be more than willing. I know that he, he enjoyed uh, spending time on Dog Watch, and I don't think I've ticked him off enough to where he wouldn't want to uh, participate here on Half-Ash, too. <laughs> you know, you can keep trying. <laughs> I think what would be a really good idea is if we can get, um, you know, if there are listeners who are interested in having him come on and participate, I would like if uh, anyone would be interested, excuse me, if anyone who is interested would send in any questions. Um uh, for us to ask him, I I think that that would be pretty fun. Rather than just bringing him on as a third host, let's uh, pick his brain. He's one of the, if not the best tobacco mind that I'm friends with. He is one of the best, uh, and I think it would be a great benefit to the listeners. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I don't know Colin especially well. I've only met him a couple of times actually, but uh, I would certainly be interested in what he's got to to teach. Well, he's, he's a good guy, and um, without question, he has more experience and um, is just a fun guy to spend some time with. So I'll, uh, I'll put a shout-out into him and see what works. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the final thing, I have three items here that are completely random uh, to discuss in this kind of what else besides uh, the cigars that you've smoked have you been enjoying in the world of cigars recently. Um, and this third one is a little bit of a, uh, a request from our listeners. I am, I am but a poor young Midwestern boy. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I am actually looking to see if I can uh, pay for Christmas this year, Christmas gifts, without having to put anything on a credit card whatsoever. So what that means is that I am looking to sell some cigars. And uh, I wanted to open it up to the listeners to see if anybody would care to uh, maybe go for a little bit of an assorted sampler. Just different boxes that I have open or different singles that I have of cigars that I really like. Um, I think what I'd love to do is $100 samplers, if any listeners would be interested. Um you know, uh, send me a, a note about your interest. Tell me how many cigars you'd like to get for that hundred bucks, and I can cater a sampler directly to you. Uh, as few as one cigar, and as many as heck, I could probably do twenty-five cigars for that. Um, tell me what you want, what flavors you like, what countries you like, and uh, maybe I can put together a little fun sampler, and we can we can uh, both uh, enjoy the process a little bit. Cool. Cool. So that's open to anyone. I don't think I'm going to 
you know, give away 10 or 15 of these samplers. So maybe put in a request a little sooner just to make sure that if you are interested, I uh, can help you out. But uh, probably looking for that $100 amount. Maybe I'd go down to 50 but drop me a line. See if, uh, see if you know, I, we can uh, do a little business. Yeah, and you can drop that line at? Craig at thecigarme.com. Boom. <laughs> All right, how yep. about we uh, jump into some emails from this week? I have been yapping like a little schoolgirl, so why don't you get us started, and I'll get this cigar relit because I let it go out. Sure thing. Uh, first one we got to talk about actually came in a string of emails from Enzo, our old buddy we corresponded with quite a bit early in the show when he was having some uh, troubles with the physiological impact of some certain cigars. But um, he says, and this actually ties in with tonight's show, he says he just smoked and Arsenio on my recommendation, and he hey. thinks I was correct. He says that is a fine $5 cigar. Uh, it's the, the type of flavor he really likes and looks for in cigars, and he thinks it's a great find and a value stick. Um, thanks a lot. I'd like a little more heat in the nose, but it's one I'll definitely be buying. I also smoked a dark Fuente this weekend called a Cuban Corona. That is part of their standard uh, uh, Chateau line, the Cuban Corona is and available in Maduro or natural either one, and thought it was also very good and affordable. And he would like to hear more about smokes along these lines to deliver, deliver at good prices and ask for us to let that be a major focus on the podcast. And then subsequently, and I'm kind of stringing the emails together, he said, uh, while we were talking about great cheap cigars, he has to give it up for Atlantic Cigars' own private in-house blend called the Spanish Galleon. Uh, he said he thinks they go for about $3 a piece or so, and the latest one he has is the Corojo, and he thinks they're as good as any $20 cigar he's ever had. And he thinks it's wow. as good as the Arsenio that he likes so much, and he would like to hear a discussion of this stuff with listener input the quote-unquote best cheap cigars. And we've actually kicked this idea around a little bit and uh, <laughs> talked at least early in the show about doing uh, some spots or segments on um, quote-unquote uh, bargain cigars or inexpensive cigars that they carry a lot of value. That's the thing for me. I'm not entirely focused on the price of a cigar. I'm focused on whether or not that cigar performs appropriately with its price. And there's certainly some gems out there that I think outperform that, that Arsenio being one of them. So, yeah, I think that's a, a good idea and definitely worth uh, kicking around a little bit. Well, I wholeheartedly agree with that, the, the premise of value with a cigar. It's not always cost, but value, no doubt about it. Yep. Cool. <laughs> hey, I, I think you're being... Paged maybe in the chat room. I'll go ahead and hit this next email. Oh, uh, go right ahead. Next email we got was a uh, follow-up from uh, Michael Stewart, who we had on the show last week to, to talk about his uh, fabulous hobby of buying his own whole leaf tobacco and blending and rolling his own cigars uh, at home uh, for some amazing uh, investment ratios, I would imagine. All right, I recall. Um, but he said he sent an email. He says greetings. Thanks yet again for having me on the show last week. There's a couple of things I neglected to say or simply misspoke. Uh, he says, one, the molds that he gave the most praise are actually made by John Rose, not John Moves. 
and you can get his molds on eBay or at leafonly.com. Um, so he just wanted to clarify what the, the proper name was there. And two, he, he says, I failed to say that when I roll my cigars, I put the Lajero in last and, and I place it nearest to me on the pad of leaves so that most of it will be toward the center of the cigar when rolled. And the third thing he says was cigar labels of several different styles can be found online at www.onlinelabels.com where you can also design your labels for free. You get a three-month window with each purchase to do so. So um, we didn't really talk about that, but he does have uh, some bands that he puts on his cigars, and uh, and you can you can get them at onlinelabels.com. Um, and one thing I put in the emails wasn't actually an email. We didn't get to it last week, and I meant to. Uh, I did share it with Michael, um, but Steve Doral, who uh, got a sampler of Michael's cigars in a, a giveaway a couple months ago, has sent back some reviews, and I need to get back in contact with him. But if you're listening, Steve, um, I'd like to go ahead and post those up on the site uh, with your permission. And I'll get around to that this week. I'll send an email, and, uh, of course, those will be available at halfash.com. Yes, siri, Bob. Yep. <laughs> I figured I'd expand on the yep. Yeah. Cool. A little bit. <laughs> well, I want to I wanna personally thank Mike again for uh, coming on last week. I, I really enjoyed the show. And listening back, I've listened uh, a time and a half now. Um, I just, I really feel bad about how much I hogged the mic last week. I apologize for that, Kip. Apologize for anybody who's uh, who finds my voice to be grating. Hopefully, you still stuck around for all the gems that Mike was throwing at us. Oh, you're too sensitive. You worry too much. No, no, I just don't want to hog the show. <laughs> So what else we got to say about this uh, Casa Fernandez tonight before we go into the wrap-up? I will say to have a packet of sugar next to you if you smoke it. I will say really focus on the first third. That's when the flavors of the Medio Tiempo uh, tobacco come out in spades. I will also say do not relight the cigar. You will overheat it which I do, did not expect with a cigar with such thick, oily tobacco in it, but it has happened for me. I have relit this twice, and it is not the gem it once was. Hmm. Uh, prior to relighting, I will say that it was um, really a... I won't say it was a teeth kicker. I'd say it was a cigar that you need to be prepared to smoke. If you gave this to a newbie, you would kill him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not that you're saying it's strong or anything, but you might kill somebody with it. <laughs> well, it just kind of has the perfect storm. Yeah, it's I'm, not the I'm, strongest I'm, cigar I've ever had, but I got uh, about an inch or so left in this cigar, and, and and I'm pretty much wrapping up with it. Um, I agree with you. The first third is really where it kind of shines. The the first couple of minutes and is a little. Uh, a little dicey for the palate, but then it settles down and, and really got a lot of uh, what I put in the uh, the notes early on that the of the first three I smoked of these that uh, I really got uh, some development of this chocolatey kind of flavor. But it but at the same time it had a really spicy citrus kind of thing, 
and that really pops up throughout the cigar for me. Uh, although the the chocolatey kind of sweetness really goes away and, and gets maybe a little a little woodsy and a little, maybe a little charred tasting like you were mentioning, and I don't mean charred in an ashy kind of uh, relit kind of way like like maybe you might think, but just that charred oak kind of flavor and that sweetness from the uh, citrus will just stick its head up uh, randomly throughout the cigar. I really dig them. I don't recall what the MSRP is on this. I know the Reserva line from them is a little more pricey than the others. So I would imagine it's in the seven to eight dollar range. You know, one thing that I think I that I feel I probably should um, clarify is the fact that um, the gosh, how do I put this? Um, the strength or how the strength. Uh, affected me by really kind of aggravating the the hard and soft palate. It went away after the first third. It may have even gone away prior to the finish of the first third, um, but it wasn't as aggressive of a cigar throughout its length. Right. Yep. I'm right there with you. Hmm. Well, I am trying to... I clipped off the... Uh, the part that I had been smoking, it was it was just getting a little rough. I am purging and trying to relight with about an inch and a quarter left. We'll see how this goes. I relit, um, actually, just the one time a couple minutes ago while you were saying don't relight the cigar, hmm. and it, it's not uh, it's not as uh, off maybe as it seemed to you. This one's pretty good for me. Sorry, still relighting. Yeah, I'm I'm watching with bated breath. You and light that cigar. <laughs> with well, all this hair of uh, the Bride of Frankenstein, I need to be careful not to light it. Yeah, you're going to get a haircut, man. Anywho. Man, I have been trying for the last two weeks to go get a haircut. It is ridiculous. An hour and a half wait, an hour and twenty minute wait. Come on. I, I think I I think I've got a little bit more than a more of a need than the guy who's been uh, on a three week rotation for his haircut. Come on, <laughs> you know, for the past twenty or so years, I get the clippers, a quarter inch guard, and just go nuts all over my head, and I'm done. Yeah, but I have a head like Uncle Fester. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it it doesn't look good. I've gone big bald once for wrestling. And then I uh, I I went to the you know the quarter inch clipper length as you say and uh, it just doesn't do good for my love life. <laughs> well, how e. about e. my we, wife uh, hates it. Uh, well, my wife actually does the trim work for me, so I guess she's okay with it. What a good woman. She is. Well, what about we? How about we wrap this up? Looks like we're pushing that time, but. Uh, Comfortably ahead of the two-hour mark. Yeah, well, we uh, had another fun and enjoyable evening, or at least I did. Hope you did, Kip, and absolutely, hope the listeners did as well. So uh, one, one-legged duck swimming in a circle. <laughs> I I was uh, fighting back an all-out bit of laughter earlier when you wrote that in the notes. So, thank you for bringing it to the forefront of the show. Um, <laughs> I have had my uh, my horizons expanded a little bit. This Casa Fernandez is um, 
an eye-opening cigar for me. I tend to overlook a lot of their products. And you know, I'm glad and, that and I had it. It's funny they're not, uh, you know, wide-ranging where they're on the shelf of every tobacconist you walk into, but they are available nationwide. And the, the the thing is, I even mentioned this somewhere in the notes, but somehow I skipped over it wherever it was. That I I really became a fan a couple of years ago with the Arsenio, but I've been smoking their tobacco for years and years, just in other people's blends. You know that Agonorsa yeah. tobacco is all over the place, and you know they were the uh, major supplier for uh, Dom Pepin in the early days before the uh, little fiasco they had amongst the two of them. Well, Pepin was a wasn't Pepin a, a I don't know if I should use the term partner, but wasn't he a a higher up at Agonorsa for a while? Uh, they were partnered. They were partnered, okay. Yeah, and that that fell apart a few years ago. I actually have a uh, I have one single cigar remaining um, from Casa de Monte Cristo when Casa de Monte Cristo opened four years ago, whatever it was. Um, they have uh, what they term to be an escaparate, which is essentially just an aging room um, for cigars, and. Um, some of the cigars that they had on their original opening were cigars that came from Pepin, and they were holdovers from some of his personal blends that he made when he was uh, at Agonorsa, um, and uh, or affiliated with Agonorsa. And so it's it's uh, pretty interesting their proliferation into the industry. Probably most widely known now for. Their tobacco um, being what's used in Illusione cigars. Yep, and Illusione. Of course, the Ezra Zine stuff we talked about earlier. Uh, Cigar Man for Life in the chat room just mentioned the Dante Imp, which is a small company that a lot of folks may not yet have heard of, but they, they make the uh, Dante line as well. Um, so they're out there. You just may not see their name on everything, but it, it is definitely quality tobacco. Hmm. Well, good stuff, no doubt about it. I uh, I will do my best to not overlook them in the future. How's that? Yep, same here. So what are we smoking next week? Well, next week I, uh, I am supplying the Cigar of the Week, one of my faves again. This is a pretty special cigar to me. Uh, it doesn't have all the flavors in it that... Well, no, I shouldn't say that. It has some flavors in it that are not my absolute favorite, but there are a lot of others that I truly adore, and the cigar itself is uh, has a special place in my heart. This is a Gran Habano Corojo Number no. 5, their original release from, good gracious, 2002, something like that. Um, it's it's a pretty special cigar. The Corojo tobacco was, was first-generation Corojo tobacco, Really, really special stuff grown in the Jalapa region of Nicaragua. Um, great tobacco all around. Great construction. Really, really interesting cigars. It'll be it'll be nice to uh, uh, have you experience Nicaraguan cigars that have this much age on them. And I'm looking to be able to talk about that uh, for all the listeners. Me too. And I actually think I may have smoked this cigar pre-release all those years ago. Hmm. Um, I don't recall who it was. It, it uh, don't recall. I'll just say that. But I think it was uh, through one of the online forums. 
just came on and said, hey, we got these new blends. There's a number one, a three, and a five, I think, something like that. Yep, and yep. Said we want to just get some feedback from folks. First fifty people to answer this post get to try them for free. <laughs> so I smoked them at the time, provided them back some uh, feedback, and went with it. That's really interesting because at the time I don't know if um, Guillermo, the president of uh, GR Tobacco's Unitas, uh, Guillermo Rico, father of George Rico. Um, I don't know if Guillermo spoke English at that point. George was still a pretty young guy, and um, I really don't know who would have been on a uh, on a forum at that point. That's really interesting to hear it was, that. It was on a short-lived forum. I think it was called Cigar Live, and I believe that forum was later absorbed by one of the others. Hmm. Well, Granabano is... Uh, well, through Granabano, I was able to make my first trip down to Honduras and Nicaragua. Um, have been to their factory a number of times. Really, really uh, enjoy not so much their just normal lines, but they are that factory produces such diversity in custom cigars that I just can't applaud them enough. One of my favorite things is to um, be able to just experience, I mean, as I've said on this show, be able to experience tobacco that's treated differently or processed differently or of different types or from different regions or in a different style. And Guillermo, uh, who is just a phenomenally gifted tobacco man, um, embraces that. In fact, he, he wasn't a massive cigar smoker when Granabano started. Um, he just was gifted with tobacco and with blending. Um, so I, the Granabano factory where they're made is where I had my famed Chagringo cigars made. Um, they're home to some of my favorite cigars, no doubt. And, uh, really they are the reason that my number one thing that I seek out in, uh, a retailer in a, uh, a brick and mortar is their house blend cigar. They completely subscribed to the idea that a house blend cigar should be what the tobacconist views to be the best cigar on his shelf. You should have integrity and put your name on what you feel rep is a representation of you. And um, uh, Granabano or the people behind Granabano um, truly believe in that and that uh, it's an idea that has integrity. So I love it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> How about we wrap this joker up? We're we're now almost to the two hour mark, and I think we have sufficiently beaten this horse. Um, so that will be our cigar next week. We, uh, as always, if you have unbanded suggestions or submissions, uh, you can send those in. Uh, if you got a suggestion, email it to info at thecigarme.com. Uh, if you got a submission, let uh, me or Craig know. Kip at thecigarme.com, Craig at thecigarme.com, and uh, we'll connect you up with an address to send them to, of course. Uh, you can catch us live every week about the same time, about 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time every week on Cigar Federation or at halfash.com. We're streaming live both. Uh, the chat room is now shared between the two, so we actually can have uh, an interaction with you from either side. And, um, of course... Check out the old cigar blog that I still maintain somewhat at the Cigarmy. That's thecigarmy.com. Uh, 
I've already mentioned our emails. Go to halfash.com. You can uh, hook up with us through Facebook or Twitter, uh, the Twitters, uh, any which way you want to find us. We're we're easy to get a hold of. I uh, I about had to mute myself because Chubno in the chat room said that the real reason I'm selling my cigars is so I can buy an Afro pick. <laughs> Uh, I might actually do that because I've done it in the past. You all should fear me if I decide to blow dry my hair. This thing's got a radius. <laughs> well, well, folks, you, sorry. You got, go a, ahead. Uh, got a dedication or anything tonight? Well, tonight's show, uh, tonight's show has just been a great show that I'm glad I was able to share with the listeners. Glad I was able to share with you, Kip. Uh, glad you were able to share that cigar with me. Thank you very much. That Casa Fernandez Reserva Maduro was excellent. And uh want to make sure everybody knows that we really appreciate you tuning in and hope you do so next week. Feel free to drop us a line, as Kip said. Uh would love to hear from you. I'd love to talk with you. Uh, if you have any interest in that, uh, the sampler packs, feel free to drop me a line, too. Uh, and hope you just enjoy the couple hours that you spend with us every week. So. Friday nights from here on out, we look forward to entertaining you, and whenever it is you listen to us, we hope you enjoy it. So, folks, from all of us here at Half Ash to all of you out there in, uh, in the rest of the world listening, have yourself a great week. Thank you very much. Good night, everybody, and thanks for listening.